Hey there, dear Patriarchy Pod peeps. Just to let you know, this week's sound is not fantastic. We had a couple of issues in the recording process, but the content is still pretty good. We hope you enjoy it, and next week will be even better. Thanks again, and enjoy! Dear Patriarchy Podcast, the Gaslit Woman's Guide to Conquering the Corporate World. Two sisters armed with facts and statistics destigmatizing the plight of the working woman. I'm Jennifer. I'm Lisa. Welcome, welcome. What are we Hello. talking about today, Jenny? We are talking about why you can never go home again. <laughs> okay. In the Immortal words of Thomas Wolfe, you can never go home again. The saying is meant to infer how nostalgia causes us to view the past in an overly positive light and how humans tend to remember people, places, and things from our upbringing in static terms, which I thought was wow. an interesting way to look at things. But is yeah. that already taking us off the wrong, on the wrong path? I don't think there is a wrong path. I think it's really interesting to talk about how sometimes leaving your hometown is the best thing that you can possibly do, not only for yourself, but for your career. Yeah. Well, and for your mind. There's also another really good quote for, by Mark Twain that says, Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, mm-hmm. and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that for sure. Yeah. I think that, and I know that you had a similar experience when you moved to New York. When I moved to London, my entire life changed because I saw outside of the very, very small, very white-centric, very biased, very militant, very right-wing, very racist, very misogynistic part of the world that we came from, that we were raised in, and that I ran away from, and you did too. And it's just been, the last 14 years I've spent in London have been been the best. And I mean, simultaneously, some of the worst years of my life, but they have Mm -hmm. been years packed with learning and diversity and things that I never learned in that tiny, tiny pocket of Southern California, which looks like paradise (laughs) and is the complete opposite. Lisa and I are from the town where if you've seen it in the news lately, where Tortilla Gate happened, where the Coronado High School was playing... Is it Orange Glen? Okay. Uh, Coronado High School was playing Orange Glen for the CIF Finals High School boys basketball. And the white folks from Coronado threw tortillas at the folks from Orange Glen after they beat them. And after the coach was cursing and the parents were cursing at the other team. There might have been bad behavior on both sides, but I'm not Donald Trump, so I'm not going to say that there's good folks on both sides. We know how folks in Coronado behave and how they view everyone else. And the second I heard that story, I knew that it, I knew exactly how that went down because I watched it happen the whole time I grew up in Coronado. The important thing to say is that in Orange Glen High School, the community that attends this school is uh, predominantly Latinx 
And I didn't know this, but actually California is a minority majority state. So mm. Latinx community makes up 39% of the population. So there's that. It's apparently not the first time this has happened. Apparently in September 2019 at a high school football game, some players were subjected to racial slurs. And in April of this year, some of the players on the, I guess on the Cordaro High School team from black or brown communities were mocked as convicts on social media. By Coronado High School students? Yes. Well, when we were just home, so we just visited, and that's kind of the onus of this. Well, I mean, yeah. there's a lot, but one of the, one of the onuses, onusai? Onai. Onai. <laughs> One of the oni of this episode was that, so we were leaving a barbecue on the 4th of July and my partner had two of my kids in a wagon and an older woman was walking her dog in front of the front, the friend's house that we were leaving. And there were some high school, Coronado high school students riding their bikes by and they were on the sidewalk. So they forced this old woman into a bush and almost ran my husband off the sidewalk. So he asked them to ride their bikes on the street and not the sidewalk. And among other vulgarity that they hurled at him, one of the things they said to him was to go back to the shithole country that he came from. Hmm. Not a good look yeah. for Coronado because it seems like they're doubling down on it. I'm not going to say this isn't the kid's fault because those kids definitely were old enough to know better. But if yeah. he, if the rhetoric coming at them from this conservative little right wing town is teaching these children that this is how you speak, this is how you think, this is how you act with the with the right wing leadership that we have around the world right now, this is what we are raising our young adults to think is acceptable behavior. Yep, I agree. And as as much as there is, I think, a global movement towards more inclusive, more intersectional, more aware thought processes and acceptance of others, there is a equal and opposite battle to pull our society deeper into a really dark place that we're yeah. just trying, we're trying so hard to pull out of. And I think it can be really easy to feel like because we, Jenny, you and I, and I'm sure the people that listen to this, we try and surround ourselves with a with the type of social media community that is full of learning opportunities for us. So we are hooked into anti-racist uh, educators. We are hooked into trans rights educators. We are hooked into LGBTQ plus community members and members of the disabled community. And we're looking at different types of religions that are obviously not part of that dominant, in quotes, Christian religion. So we're, we're trying to enfold ourselves in as much education and as much intersectionality as we possibly can. And I think it becomes very easy to feel like that is the world. And it makes you feel like, okay, because you're bouncing off of a community that is very like-minded. But then you went back home. Right. You saw a lot of Blue Lives Matter stuff. You're taking the, the police, which used to be catchers of enslaved people, and then became a force of supposedly protecting human life and have now become sort of gods in their own right and are founded on systemic racism and founded on misogyny and founded on biased principles. And now they're being celebrated. So it must have been a real shock to the system. It, it definitely was. I mean, I knew I knew what I was going back to, but just, just to see the younger generations embracing that when kind of the progressive mindset is to is to learn more and do better, you yes. know, and, and people are just doubling down on the same bigotry, misogyny, racism, 
white supremacy, all of that. Yes. It just was a very, very white experience. Yeah. In an entitled, angry, and unaccepting way. Made me sad. And it, and it reminded me of why we've had to go so far from finger in quotation marks home. You kind of hope that things have progressed a little bit. But this is a town that just elected one of the members of their school board on her plat- whole platform was anti-wokeness. You know, and there and that's being that's playing out. You know, the proof is in the pudding, right? It is. And that is a nasty pudding. Super nasty. It's the nastiest pudding. And what I would say is just like in the wider world, I think this, because this is relevant, even though it might not seem 100% relevant to the workforce. I think in a corporate environment, as in the wider world, you have to choose who you surround yourself with. You have to choose what you're going to let into your zone. So this is not new. Um, When we look at statistics of women from black and brown communities... In the workplace, they consistently feel like they cannot be themselves mm-hmm. in the work environment because they are not fully accepted. For, right? Code switching. Oh yeah, obviously, cha- like changing the way that you speak. A hundred percent, code switching is. It's this. It's that. It's all part of that same thing. I cannot be my true self in this environment. Mm-hmm. We have been very privileged not to have to ever code switch in that sense. We are. We have been very privileged. To have working environments where, while we didn't feel welcome as women, because we are white, our skin color was never holding us back from progressing. We've been able to live our lives not having to have to... Unless it's the color we've put on our skin voluntarily, meaning tattoos. I don't know that everybody knows that we have quite a lot of tattoos, which obviously is a voluntary choice that we made. It's not something that we were born with and we've had to deal with. So... Okay. Um... So you were saying we have not been discriminated against because of the color of our skin. No, just for the fact that that we are not men. So I think it's really important to talk about this because I feel like it is something that will resonate with a lot of women who are interested in, are passionate about social justice and not just social justice out in the wider world, but in the microcosms that they find themselves in for work or for family units or for anything like that. And there used to be this really popular thing that would kind of go make its rounds around the internet, um, which usually happened after times of like extreme racism. So like at times when black men were murdered in the streets by police or um, riots were happening, obviously, in support of those of those occurrences. There would be something that would make its rounds on the on the social media sites, and it would always be someone saying, "I will not, like we can choose to disagree. We can both disagree, and I'll still love you because I'm not a bad person or whatever." That was basically the gist of it. You're not a terrible person if you have different opinions. And lately, I've been seeing more and more the stamp down by people going, we can disagree about pizza toppings. What you cannot disagree with me about is the fact that Black Lives Matter. What you cannot disagree with me about is that trans rights are human rights. What you cannot disagree with me about is the fact that immigration should be lawful and should be safe. And what you cannot disagree with me about is that everyone deserves free healthcare as a human right, free education as a human right. And that and that reproductive health care is a human right as well. Right. That's not disagreeing. That's we're at different ends of the pole. And I don't owe you 
whoever you are, I don't owe you my love, my affection. Because if you're the kind of person that hates in that way, that is intolerant in that way. rights from people. Like wants to, to people's rights away. Yeah. So you can tell them what to do. No. Nope. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. And that's a super hard position to put yourself in. And it's not one where you wake up and go, bang, I'm going to burn out every last bridge I have in my family today. It yeah. is a well, gradual. piling matches. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a gradual process that you get to. And you have to be in a strong position of yourself. But you have to know yourself really well. That's a super hard journey for a lot of women, for a lot of people, but for a lot of women really knowing yourself. And that's why women in general tend to become badasses in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, because they know themselves. I know who I am. I do not need to have my humanity affirmed to me by you or my worth affirmed to me by you. I affirm me. My life, my choices, my beliefs, my truth, they are affirmed by me. And that's a super powerful place to be. It's also can be a very lonely place to be. Right, because people get triggered or they get their feelings hurt because they have some preconceived notion or they've just been raised with a, or they're believing, they're carrying themselves through the world with a colonizer mindset. Yes. The white supremacist. Oh my God. Then any type of deviance from that path is triggering or upsetting or the fact that that majority of white folks believe that it is their right to infringe their beliefs, their systematic oppression, their ideals, all these other cultures that they have no interest in learning anything about is absolutely absurd. Yeah. And And white saviorism goes into that white saviorship yeah there's that on top of it yeah fucking disgusting yep you know i was a missionary for a few years and i don't know that i ever had the mindset of like the white savior like i i went and did first aid i went and fed people i feel like the rest of it didn't sit well with me and i am happy that even in my uneducated state i knew something was off not to like pat myself on the back because what we did was disrupt cultures without learning about them and then come in give quick aid and then left which leaves these communities hurting more than when you were there yeah so i don't know why i just gave myself no photos, but no I, you but, didn't but jenny you've touched on something there that i really wanted to say which is okay. everyone has a sense of right and wrong in themselves there is a voice that voice told you something's not right here some of this i agree with but something's not right here and when you are moving through the world and trying to do the work the anti-racist work the anti-bias work that voice becomes louder because it's more informed and when you have a loud voice in your head that says this is not right this does not sit well that is not fair you don't say that that isn't correct that isn't kind that isn't loving It makes it really hard to have topical, shallow conversations with people who do not listen to that voice or whose version of that voice in their head has been so muted by the bias, by the systemic racism, by all of the things that fester in particularly, I think, small towns where there isn't fresh news, fresh people, fresh 
ideas coming through, it's impossible to have conversations with people like that because you're speaking from two very different places. I think that the, the way that all of this ties into like the corporate forum mm-hmm. is that it just all comes down to like culture. So company culture and the, yes. the culture of this town. Yes. So if, if the culture isn't sitting right with you or the, or the culture of the folks that you have surrounded yourself with at work is not working for you, then it's time to maybe make some, take some steps to extricate yourself from that. And I know that if you're in a town, I know there's tons of people languishing in small towns that are, that have a, you know, a passion for activism or are, you know, just beginning to learn about what's going on in the world and educate themselves and do the anti-racist work and do and support the LGBTQIA plus community or work, do work for women's rights. It's hard to not feel stuck when you don't know where the like-minded community is or if it just doesn't exist you know and lisa and i are are battling that too like working to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals who are successful and passionate about activism and we we don't have that we're slowly amassing our own community online and that's that's one of the reasons why we are working so hard to enrich our instagram and we're working on a website and we're going to we're working on this book is to let people know that they're that we're building this community and we're going to do everything in our power to continue to enrich it and grow it so it can be a place for people to go and find other find and connect with other folks yes a hundred percent because it's a very isolating experience it is when you, <laughs> super when you isolating to, when you begin to stand up for yourself and other people because i guess because it makes like the only thing I, Jenny, I can I can relate it to is when you become a vegan, <laughs> and people get super friggin' triggered by the fact that you've made this choice. And first of all, I just need to say I don't tell people that I'm vegan. I usually only talk about it when people try and serve me meat or cheese or eggs or something like that, and I say, "Oh no, don't worry about that. I'm vegan. It's fine." Or if we're sitting at a restaurant and I'm looking at a menu and I say, "Oh, do you have any vegan options?" Whatever. And it really, I've had really awful incidents with women that I love very much um, that are no longer really in my life because my choices to be more aware and to be more present with the rights of animals. And also it was a big health choice for me as well. I was in a really bad place, um, but uh, animal welfare was a huge part of it. And uh, obviously the the impact on the environment as well is, is massive. So what happens is that you say that you have these beliefs. These are the things that you feel strongly about and people feel judged. It's, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I really like dogs and cats, so I don't eat any animals. You know, I'm not being like, well, I love, you know, I'm not like pointing fingers or doing anything like that. But there is this feeling, this this triggering thing that happens for people when you say, I am trying to live the best version of my life as I possibly can. I'm trying to be the most inclusive, intersectional, loving, kind, aware person as I possibly can be. And it's almost as if they hear that and then say, but you're clearly not. You don't have the, you don't do this. You are not this good person. You're a terrible person. And that's never said, that's never implied, that's never stated in any way. But I think maybe that trigger is that kick of that small voice that's been muted and hasn't been watered and fed and nurtured in order to become the main part of your brain that drives conscious good choices. 
that drives the unlearning of bias, you know? And I think people get triggered as well if you're not drinking at an event or something too. hundred percent. That's less. So it's, it's, on, like on a microcosm, yeah. that is the same as what we're saying here with like, with <laughs> activism of any sort, yeah. any type of like strain from the norm yep. is met with resistance. Yep. And also I think with the hometown thing, I think people just, it's hard for people to accept outsiders, especially in small towns, and you become an outsider once you leave. That is true. And look, that is not to say that people who choose to stay in their hometowns for their entire lives do not lead, are not all for intersectionality, are not social justice warriors, are not active in the fight for equality and equity. But we are talking about something that's very specific to us. I would not be the same person if I had stayed in that town. Yeah, but there are some people that can stay in a town and, and that's just how they're wired. You and I are travelers. You and I are yeah. you, you and I are nomads. Like I love the traveling theme because I think that that is something that's really in, integral to us. I would love to live everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I think both of us are very similar in that before we die whatever that might be we like want to see to everywhere I still need to like go to Lisbon I need to go to Croatia I need to go I want to go to Japan I want to see know. some parts of Africa I want I want to see the world yeah so do I how do we how do we kind of tether this back in look I think I think what we're talking about is we're talking about the hometown but we're also talking about the corporate world look what you said about the hometown is exactly the same thing oh what's the vibe there. you're getting you know yeah in a well, corporate environment Yep. Here's the thing about culture in a corporate environment and, and going back home or staying in one place. You just have to be aware that a lot of the heritage of those places is rooted in patriarchy and misogyny and bigotry and colonialism. And there is going to be a heightened instance of gaslighting. And if you're feeling like something's wrong, well, we've always done it this way. Institutional knowledge. We've always done it this way. Yeah. This is what works for us. This is how we do it. This is how we promote people. This is how people move through the ranks. This is what you have to do. And that's usually not fair. It's a very biased, racist, misogynistic, old school way of looking at things. And so if you are in a place where you're feeling like the culture is off or you're feeling like there's some stagnation, just check in with that. Like check in with where the foundations are and like what types of disruption you need to be participating in to break those kind of societal or culture norms that are holding you in a place or holding you in a mindset that no longer serves. So I love that. I, th I think that that's what it is. You know, I'm thinking of folks who are in our hometown who are fighting to change things, fighting to make it a more welcoming, less elitist place. And I feel like that's the work that they're, that's the work that they're having to do is to disrupt and dismantle old belief systems that are unfair to most, if not all, marginalized groups. I would say all. I would say all. I'm going to go for all. I'm going to go for all. all. For yeah, for 500, please. All for 500. And I think one thing that you and I have talked about, Jenny, is looking back on the way we were raised and looking back on the family in which we were raised, the culture that, we, that was surrounding us, we always say... What happened? How did we become what we are? And we came, we became what we are because we left. Yep. And while that might not be the choice that everybody makes, you moving to New York, you going out into the wider world on different trips, me moving to London and traveling the world as well, 
seeing other people, meeting other people, learning about their cultures. I had such an amazing time when I was in Australia. The best part of my time was when I was in the outback learning about Aboriginal culture. And that was so life-changing for me. And I had never learned about anything like that. I went to Nepal and I got to learn about their history and about their culture. I got to go up into the mountains and see the mountain towns. Man, it was, it was amazing. It was a life-changing adventure. I think is the, one of the things that really helped shape what we are now and what we're trying to become. When I went to New York, I got to go to a very left-leaning school that was definitely a huge affront to the senses. Yes. Because I didn't realize how much of everything I had internalized and how problematic a lot of the views I held were. There were a lot of horrifying revelations about preconceived notions that I had and prejudices that I had that I didn't even realize I had. But I had some amazing friends and teachers that were that were not afraid to call me out on what I was doing and saying. And I am they did not owe me that work and they did that work. And I I will be forever indebted to them because it was it was luxury to have people who were able to educate me when they were hit with my prejudices. Well I love that. As embarrassing as it is to like think back onto the, there's so many cringy moments that I learned a lot. So, and that is what helped shape you into who you are now. And other who encouraged us to thinkers. Yeah, and in the midst of what was um, a real tsunami of body negativity and unhealthy body image. coming from, you know, 16 Magazine and all the different yep. sort of... We didn't really have social media then, unfortunately. 17. Oh, 17. You know, why did you say 16? <laughs> 16. What else? Well, this was a super fun conversation, and we appreciate yeah. you guys coming on the ride with us. We probably will delve in here again later. We just kind of are, are working moms, and we're bookended by stuff right now, so... Um, But as always, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Please rate and subscribe if you haven't done it already. We're at Dear Patriarchy Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Patriarchy underscore pod on Twitter. PatriarchyPod at gmail.com. Please send us your messages, stories. We've had a lot of folks reaching out to us, and it's been great to hear how you are ingesting our content and that it's working for you. So feel free to shoot us ideas for stuff you'd like us to talk about. Lisa does great research. I come along for the ride, and uh, we appreciate you. We love you so much. Thank you again, and as always, love light. Good night.